Fishing from Chico, California. This is the Barbless Fly Fishing Podcast, where we discuss NorCal fly fishing, guiding, fishery science and management, conservation, and more. No better, fish better. Here's your host, Hogan Brown. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Barbless Podcast. Thanks for uh, clicking on this episode and tuning in, taking a listen. My name's Hogan Brown, and... Uh, we have been a pretty busy here over in the Brown household between uh, fall across, fall soccer, a couple trips out to uh, South Bend, Indiana to watch the fight in Irish and uh, guiding, fishing, tying, you name it, man. It is, uh, I, I like to think there's not a busy time of year, but it seems like the, the entire 365 days of the year now has become incredibly busy, so... I don't know if that's just a stage of life I'm in with two teenagers, businesses, and all the stuff that uh, go along with running businesses and teenagers that play travel sports all over the place and, you know, trying to maintain some semblance of a life in between. But uh, busy has uh, taken over as the new norm, I think. So, uh, you know, so I guess that's the way it is, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. So. Fishing wise, uh, kind of wrapped up our, I guess, summer, fall striper season. Uh, we had some really great fishing around September and October. And then the water temperature has definitely gotten down into the, the cold zone where I, I personally just don't think the fish eat as much. So the bite gets a little tougher, but the glide bait guys would argue with you. So, um, they seem to do well. In the colder temperatures so you know i think uh there's something to be said for that that means the fish are still here always year round so you know you can and we do run into them in the winter and such but uh for guiding purposes and fishing purposes a lot of us have you know moved on to the yuba the feather the lower sack which traditionally october is one of the best months of the year for those fisheries and i haven't spent much time on them just because i uh I'm a glutton for punishment when it comes to the stripers. I'll chase them till the river blows out. But uh, Chuck, Ben, Ryan, Williams, a lot of the crew been out and just, you know, it's amazing what a year with no one, you know, commercially or recreationally fishing for salmon, meaning, you know, every salmon that's going to live lives and uh, water does to our our valley steelhead salmon and their resident trout man i mean from what i've heard the fishing is just phenomenal on you know the sack the feather the yuba and i imagine anywhere else so it is really cool to see a fall where our rivers have water you know that's just not a not a common thing lately which is good that we do have it this year I did read in the newspaper today, and then I, I actually looked it up. I saw it online that, you know, they are forecasting an El Nino winter this year again for us, which, you know, is, I, I don't know how many times I've heard that and it doesn't pan out, but, uh, you know, the we're getting pretty close. So the, I think the closer you get to winter, maybe the more accurate it becomes. I don't know. But, uh, it was talking about, you know, warmer water coming up in the Pacific and, you know, a true El Nino winter with a lot of, a lot of rain, 
you know, uh, definitely, I, if I understood it correctly, it meant not as much snow, but, uh, it just comes in the form of rain, which, you know, I, I, I don't ski or do any of that. So that didn't really bother me, but if you do, that may bother you. Um, so there's that, um, other stuff coming up, man. I mean, it is, it is in the heart of college football season. And if you don't know anything about me, I, uh, basically live and die on how the fighting Irish do. Uh, been out twice to South Bend for the gut wrenching, heartbreaking loss of Ohio state. And, uh, I just went back again for the uplifting, complete dismantling of USC. So two trips in, I'm, you know, one and one, one was absolutely soul crushing as I, I had seats probably 40 rows, 50 rows up from the goal line with which the winning touchdown for uh, Ohio State as time expired was scored. And um, that that game was actually the most insane I had ever seen that stadium and campus, the whole deal. Um, College game day was there from ESPN. Vince Vaughn was there. Uh, The Pat McAfee show. I mean, it was, I've been going back to Notre Dame for 15 years we've had season tickets for a long time and I have never in my life seen the campus or the stadium like that. It was absolutely insane and delivered a hundred percent on the game. So, um, you know, bummer, but you know, I always said when I looked at the schedule this year, you know, USC and, uh, Ohio state could be two losses you know, based on what you were thinking going in, you know, no one saw Louisville coming, but it, uh, you know, that was Louisville's Super Bowl, and we were coming off two incredibly stressful, heartbreaking and uplifting games with the Duke game and the Ohio State game, and I, I have to believe we just didn't have anything left in the tank for that Louisville game to match the intensity of Louisville, so, you know, so it goes. But a uh, trip back for uh, USC was phenomenal. Weather, you know, it's funny how, if you, if you know the Midwest, it's amazing how quick the weather can shift. You know, when we were back there, I think it was two or three weeks between we were back for the Ohio State game and, you know, kids are in shorts, t-shirts. I'm in shorts and t-shirts. It's hot, you know, and then you go back a couple weeks later and USC was rain and just brutal Midwest cold wind and it it was rough. I don't think I was in my Sims pro dry suit with a down jacket. Like I was bundled. It was cold. So, uh, that made it almost more awesome to watch USC get dismantled. So other than that, you know, kind of the weather's been going up and down and that's been tough on the bass bite, the striper bite, but you know, we're holding strong. I know Ryan Williams has been out on Lake Orville a few times. I've been filling my Lake Orville float and fly boxes and it, getting ready for that as it is almost November. And that's about when we start, uh, you know, heading out there. So a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff cranking you know, a lot of good fishing, a lot of stuff to do. So hopefully everybody's getting out and seeing some water and, uh, getting in, you know, a a fall unlike any with all this water. So for the show, we got, uh, uh, two ladies 
that I will introduce when we start the show, but uh, two ladies that uh, asked me to come on the show and I, I, they had been on my list to ask and by them asking, I was forced to find time to do a show. So that, that always helps, you know, kick the, kick the engine into place. But, uh, they are, uh, an interesting, an, an interesting concept that they had that they put into action and a, a really cool nonprofit that they have, uh, put together. And we just, celebrated with them I think a couple of days ago maybe a week ago their one year anniversary so they are one year in and uh, doing a lot of great work within the sport of fly fishing really throughout the country so I'll leave it at that and let the show speak for itself hope everyone has a uh, a great time out there get out and enjoy some fishing while they can and uh, we'll be back all right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Barbless Podcast. My name is Hogan Brown, and uh, I'm very fortunate to uh, welcome two guests today. Um, Ms. Tema Robbie. Did I pr- do I pronounce your name right, Tema? Did I say that correctly? It is Tema. It's just Roby. Roby. Okay. I, I figured yeah. there was a shot I was going to screw up at least one person's <laughs> name. That's that's kind of a given. So, uh, And then Ms. Julia Mitchell. I Hopefully I said that well. My understanding. You did. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> Those are two that I, I would be pretty embarrassed if I messed up, but you know, I'm not going to put it, put it past me. So, uh, we, we, I'm having you on, um, to tell kind of a little bit about an organization you started and, um, the organization is called rising to the fly. And, um, you guys just had a, a big one year anniversary. Yes. Yeah, we yes. did. Yeah. yeah. So I, I always, when I, when I think about one year anniversaries, like it's kind of like the, the one year anniversary of your child's birth or like a relationship or a marriage. And like, there's really two ways it goes. It's either the longest 12 months of your life <laughs> and you don't remember life before it, or it went by so fast and you know, you have hearts and stars in your eyes still is uh, w- which one are you guys in? I'm thinking we're hearts and stars. That's yeah. good. We're well, now that now that one person said that, the other person can't be like, God damn, you know, it was the <laughs> well, long. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think we would have if we felt that way. But no, I, I definitely, as you were saying that, I was like, ooh, I think I'm hearts and stars. So. <laughs> that's, that's the good answer. That's that's what I always say. It's, you know, it's hearts and stars, man. It's all good. Well, that's good because that means, you know, anytime you, you take on a project like a nonprofit, it, uh, I've done it and there is a point where it becomes work and the longer mm-hmm. you can offset it being work and still a labor of love and such, I think, uh, the better it is. Right. So, yeah. um, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about rising to the fly, kind of what it does, and then we can kind of talk about how how we got to the one year anniversary. Sure. So, uh, I'll, I'll take this one. Um, because, uh, it started, it was an idea that I had, uh, actually many years ago, uh, I had some fly fishing shirts that were, you know, really in good shape. Uh, I just didn't fit them anymore. And I thought, gosh, you know, there's just gotta be somebody who could use this. I, it seems like a shame to, just give it to, you know, Goodwill or Salvation Army or something when, you know, I I bet there's an angler out there that would appreciate it. And I just sort of put it in the back of my mind. And then uh, Tema and I met and I talked to her about the idea and she loved it. 
And so we talked about sort of different ways that we could do it. And then last August, we were talking and we were just talking about it. And we were like, well, do you want to do this? And she's like, yeah. And I said, okay, yeah, let's do it. And so that's kind of how it started. And then we were sitting there talking about, well, what do we call it? And I said, uh, you know, what if we call it rising to the dry? And she said, oh yeah, rising to the fly. That sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yes, rising to the fly, much better. So that was sort of how that uh, came to be. And then we, I started working on getting, you know, the social media, getting all of that registered and, and Facebook set up and Instagram set up and a website set up. And Tim started working on all of the uh, paperwork and everything that goes with actually creating an, a 501c3 nonprofit. And so we started marching forward and building it. And then in October of last year, uh, we, we hit our, 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 we got our official, uh, approval on our 501c3 status. So we started and, um, our mission is to provide gear garb and guidance uh, for women to break down barriers of entry to make fly fishing inclusive uh, and available to all women who want to participate. So it kind of takes three different prongs, if you will. There's the gear, the garb, and the guidance. And so the gear and the garb are really getting the equipment, whether that's rods and reels, waders, boots, clothing, anything like that, technical clothing, hoodies, sun shirts, jackets, all of that um, to women. And then the guidance part is something that that part we started right away working on through donations and getting the word out to various women. And then the guidance part, we just recently probably I'd say in the last four months or so have started really working on focusing on, and that is, um, reaching out to women and making sure that we're doing lessons, casting lessons, clinics, uh, in-person meetings. And we just had our very first Rising to the Fly in-person intro to fly fishing uh, clinic up at the McLeod River Outpost, which was generously donated to us for the weekend. And um, it was a huge success. It was really, really fun. So that's sort of our backstory. That's great. That 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 is a complete tale, uh, <laughs> Tema. Where so you you were? I mean, you were the the paperwork impetus on this. How did how did you jump? Uh, I mean, your your um, legal expertise is known far and wide. So, I imagine. Uh, yeah. So I have you know I've been on a few different boards. Yeah. Um. So I have a lot of nonprofit experience with just how boards are run, how you create a nonprofit. Yeah. So I just, I just worked my way through the paperwork. Um, it was actually much easier than I anticipated it to be. Yes. I've worked on bylaws before. So we, you know, I created the bylaws um, and it's just been, it was a really, I don't want to jinx it, but it's, it was a really easy process um, and it didn't take nearly as long as I thought it would to get approval. And so once we got that approval, it's like Julia said, we just, we took off and, and have been nonstop since, um, yeah. working with various nonprofits, uh, you know, a lot of, one of my favorite, uh, you know, parts of this is just working with various women from different nonprofits, like casting for recovery and project healing waters. And so with casting for recovery, um, women with breast cancer go to these retreats. And so 
rising of the fly has become sort of a backstop. So if these women want to continue their journey with fly fishing, um, they reach out to us if they need gear or a rod or just have questions. Um, so that's been a pretty big uh, piece of our of where our equipment is going. Um, and it's just it's it's fun. It's I love working on it. That's good. That's so. good to hear. I mean, I think you're a little, you're probably a little too humble. There is like many great ideas for nonprofits end at the paperwork stage. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, having the ability to get through the bylaws and do all that stuff is no small feat. Uh, so you know, well, thank you. Yeah. Thank um, you. So, I mean, I, I was like, I was looking at your website and like, I kind of know what you guys do and I know the basic idea, but like one of the first things you talk about is barriers. And I think everyone knows there's barriers to entry to really anything, right? Like any hobby right. in the modern America outside of like walking is, uh, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> the people that walk by my front window though, like they got pretty nice shoes and all sorts of stuff. So, I mean, you could even argue to walk, there's financial and informational barriers, but, uh, like, what did you guys experience that obviously if you're motivated to bring down barriers, most people will experience a barrier in themselves that they have to overcome. And, you know, as I've been in the sport for a long time and I think the sport has done a really good job of removing barriers in general, but obviously Mm -hmm. you guys still see barriers there as, you know, as I do as well. But what were some of the things that led you to, cause it's one thing to overcome barriers in and of yourself. It's another thing to be motivated to help others take those down. That's usually a, mm-hmm. you usually have experienced a fairly strong barrier if you're motivated to take it down for other people. Well, How did that uh, come? I, and either I, one I of you can say, take that. Yeah. I was going to say for me, um, I felt like, uh, you know, there's sort of this, perception of like, you know, the, you know, to get out there and fish, you got to go to Orvis and spend, you know, $4,000 and get the rod and the waders and boots and this and that. And one of the things that I try to emphasize is, you know what, the fish don't know, the fish don't know (laughs) if you have, you know, a $1,200 rod or you have a $120 rod, they don't know. Yeah. So, um, I try to, to look at it from that perspective and tell people that. And one of the things that, Tema and I kind of realized after we originally had said our mission was to break down economic barriers. And so that was definitely one of the main things that we were focusing on is getting equipment out to women who who couldn't necessarily afford it. But we also realized that there's just a barrier of um, women learning, just learning how Mm -hmm. to be an angler, how to be an independent angler, how to go out there and just fish. And there's barriers of of women being like, oh, I don't want to go out by myself. I don't really know what I'm doing, all that kind of stuff. So we actually took economic out mm-hmm. uh, to really broaden the scope and say, hey, it's not just about if you can't afford gear. It's really about like if you have mental barriers of like, oh, I don't know if I can do this or mm-hmm. I don't know how to start or that kind of stuff. So those were kind of the things that, you know, it started out a little bit of one direction and then we tried to broaden it just based on what we were seeing out there. Yeah. Now, Tema, you've, how long have you fished Tema for what? Five, six, seven years now. Um, I'm two and a half years. Oh, wow. Wow. You put a, <laughs> you've been busy in two and a half years. <laughs> I have. 
So did you experience, you know, since I don't know, I mean, I don't, I don't think of you as a new angler. Maybe it's just time-wise. That's a short duration of one's life, but you've done a lot in two and a half years. So (laughs) what did you experience barriers when you got into the sport that kind of motivated this? So for me, it was, um, a kind of a mental piece. I was, you know, I was scared to try something new. I was, I knew I wanted to try it. I was worried about being by myself on a river. I was worried about safety. I, you know, found somebody to give me some casting lessons who is still a good friend of mine today down in the Bay area. Um, but at the time I was like, I don't know if he's any good. I don't know if he's going (laughs) to just say, Oh yeah, pay me money and good luck. It's your first trip um, to the mechanic so, and you're crossing your fingers. This dude's exactly. not going to just totally hose you. <laughs> but yeah. I got really lucky. And, and, you know, he took me on my first trip to Poudre Creek and I probably fished for six months um, and didn't catch a thing and then caught a fish at Poudre Creek. And it was probably three inches long. And it was the most amazing moment <laughs> just because it was my first fish. Yeah. And now I love to fish by myself. I love going out by myself. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say I don't like being with people also, but there's something to be said about being out on a river by yourself and just present and the, the stress of, you know, life kind of just, you don't think about it for hours. I'll look at my watch and go, my God, I've been out here six hours. Oh yeah. No, I say all the time Um, I'm allergic to people on water. So don't feel bad. We're we're in a safe space. You can say you hate seeing other people on the river. (laughs) But, you know, to, to be honest, if I'm, you know, out on the McLeod, even if I'm with a friend and I hear some crackling behind me, I'm like, oh God, is that a bear? Is that a lion? Is that a person? That's just normal. That's just normal though. (laughs) Like don't, don't beat yourself up on that one. Like if I'm on the cloud, McLeod and I hear crackling behind me, I'm like, oh baby, am I on the menu? (laughs) Yeah. So there's, you know, I think a lot of, or not a lot, but some of the barriers just being safe and learning how totally. to be safe yeah, and being in remote areas without service. And how do you manage that? Yeah. So I, you know, for me, that was one of the bigger barriers was safety. Yeah. That's and funny. You bring confidence. that up because when I was, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if that's like a, a male female thing. I, cause you hear a lot of female anglers talk about that, but I also think mm-hmm. like there's a little bit of an age component to that. Cause like when I was younger, I would just hard charge everything. And now right. I'm like, you know, like the cell phone reception up there is not so good. What if I fall and I get hurt or my car, you know, that just, yeah, can a helicopter get me in here? Yeah. Like I got invited to go to this, the, the, uh, I was like a year ago, I got invited to go to some lodge and I don't know, some third world country. And I'm like, you know, that's a, it's a long way from American medical care. Like what if something <laughs> happens? Like. I like totally felt like, you know, I should be wearing like white new balances and like zip off Columbia pants. And like, I was, you know, I all of a sudden became my, you know, 75 year old father overnight. But like, I, I, I think safety is, I comically have become much more conscious of safety as well. So I don't know if that, what that says about men and women, but it may be an age thing too. But I I think it's, yeah, go for it. What Julia was about to say was, it's like, you know, we, some of us have kids and we have responsibilities, totally. and, you know, as we, and so the risk taking for me has gone down a little bit. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm like, how do I get to a road? <laughs> That's my main yeah. concern. And do I have 5g right here? 
you know, as much as I don't want to see people, I'm also like, well, if I get hurt, I want someone to hear me scream. So, (laughs) right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's interesting. So with your guys is with the idea is that, you know, a lot of, I would imagine when you guys started out, did you feel comfortable utilizing the resources that like the traditional fly industry has like a fly shop or a fly club or any of that type of stuff? Cause I mean, it's funny. I gave a presentation at a, a fly club last week and you know, the general fly club crowd is, you know, aging and white male. Right. But it seemed like at the club I was at, there was probably a third of the women there was women in there. And I don't know. They seemed like nice, normal people. Um, and I'm sure that's not the norm, but did you guys, was that not an so, option for you or? So a and, couple, I have a couple thoughts on that. Yeah. And you don't have and to I throw have in great, anybody under the bus. I'm just curious, <laughs> but you can totally I, throw people under the bus as well. And I so. have a great story too. When, when Tim is done, okay. that involves you. So, perfect. So, <laughs> so I'm on the board of um, Diablo Valley fly fishing club down in the Bay area. Yeah, And when I joined the club, I was like, oh gosh, it's going to be exactly what you just said. Yeah. You know, mostly men. And, Cookies, and coffee, and had... aging males. That's what I say. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. You just, said it, not me. Yeah. Call um, it what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and so they had an intro to fly fishing clinic that yeah. I was like, all right, I'm going to give this a go. So I totally. did the clinic. It was fantastic. And then there was a trip, a weekend trip up to Lake Almanor. And I thought, oh, God, am I really going to do this? Is it going to be terrible? Are they going to not, you know, want to hang out with me or whatever? One of the best trips I've ever done. That's awesome. These guys were so awesome um, and so welcoming and so helpful. And, you know, fly fishing, everybody has an opinion. Totally. Totally. It's worse than politics. <laughs> but, I, but I will say I love this club. The I love the club, and the, the guys on the trip were phenomenal and yeah, just amazing. Fly shops. So, well, and let me say something about shops. clubs. I will say, like, okay. most clubs are like I found awkwardly welcoming and wanting to help. Like it is almost like, and I think you're exactly correct. Is like. They want people to participate in those events and stuff so bad that it's almost, they're like Mm -hmm. awkwardly nice. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, Mm -hmm. and so, but I, I'm just curious because that doesn't, the fly club model doesn't work for everyone. Right. Like it, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of women that are like, yeah, dude, that's just a bunch of dudes showing me what to do. Like that just does (laughs) not jive. And it's not just women. It's like kids, like, if you're a 15 year old dude, you're not going to sit down at a table and learn how to tie your knots. Like you want to go stick a fish. Right. So I was just, it's, I I think the model works. I just, I was curious if it worked for you and it sounds like it did because the Diablo club is a great club. It's a historic club in the state. So, I mean, yeah, but that's good to hear. Yeah. I like being a part of it. Yeah. And then with respect to fly shops, I mean, definitely some fly shops are much more helpful than others. Oh yeah, for Um, sure. I was just up at Ted Fay Fly Shop and, you know, uh, I the think Bob. Bob in there and Bob and I, you know, chatted for a good 45 minutes and he just yes. said, I'm going to keep talking to you. So you keep buying stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> keep talking. So, oh. you know, and, but he's really helpful. Totally. And Bob Tahoe is a great outfitters. dude. Oh yeah. Yeah. And Tahoe Fly Fishing Outfitters, huge help. Yeah. Huge, Brendan's great. Well, Brendan support. employs some young women, I think. Last time I was in the, 
at least talking to Matt Cowley's who was up there, there's a lot of young women in that shop, like young women. He, um, the John, um, put John Brasco put, uh, uh, bin out in the shop and said, you get like, I think it was like 10% off if you donate something to rising to the fly. Oh, that's great. Oh, we've collected two pretty full bins. And I mean, it's just been a huge, huge help. And then, and then John, like I said before, John donated the, the McLeod river outpost to us, his campsite for us to do the, um, to do our clinic there, which has been fantastic. So yeah, I mean, it, it just really depends on the shop. Yeah. And that's the fly shop. Fly shops have personal. I, I do too, but I, I'm I'm gonna <laughs> I'm scared to hear stories about myself. <laughs> no, but, no, 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 it's not bad. It's not well, bad. and fly shops, I I will say, like fly shops have personalities, right? Like, yes. you yeah. know, like any business. Like I've even been to fly shops, and I'm like, this is not my fly shop. Like this is, this is not <laughs> my vibe. Like, and then I've been in a fly shop, so I'm like, I love these guys. Take my money, you know. And mm-hmm. and that's true yeah. with anything. Mm-hmm. I I go to a, I mean a. T- ton of I have like super nerdy hobbies so like I go to like music stores or record stores or comic book shops and like they're all the same right like in the sense of like they're reflections of people that own it and just like yeah. we don't get along with every person obviously we're not going to get along in every business but I'm always curious about women's experiences in fly shops because I worked in fly shops a long time and I I always would like to think I was nice and welcoming to everyone, but that's really easy to say when you're, you know, the male behind the counter, right? Like you're obviously in your Mm -hmm. own mind, nice to everybody. So. Well, United women on the fly just did a survey, uh, of asking women, uh, about fly shops and their experience. So I don't think the results have been, Oh, that's going to be interesting. But, I know. I, I was like, "Ooh, this could be interesting." Yeah, that's going to be like reading bad Yelp reviews, right? You're like, "Oh snap, you got smoked!" <laughs> and they asked for names of of. Uh, oh. I think they asked for names of good shops, so I think they could they could say like, "Here's examples of good shops." And yeah, you know. <laughs> and then you then you look at there and you're like, "Whoa, Bob's not on there. Jim's not." not yeah, there. <laughs> probably yeah. But, uh, but I mean, I, you know, I just bought a pair of waders from Tahoe, you know, Mm -hmm. really the new, the new Patagonia waders, like the, they're quite a bit of money. And I, I specifically bought them from Tahoe Outfitters because I'm like, that's where I want my money to go. I want people that are supporting us to, I want to support them. Like I'm, I'm all about that. Oh yeah. And that's, that's the beauty. Part of one of the beauties of the fly fishing industry and how that works is you have that choice, right? Like you're not pigeonholed yes. into like, oh, well, if I go buy them here, they're going to be a hundred dollars cheaper. You know what I mean? It's yeah. you right. Know, right. So you truly, uh, one thing I've always said is the good shops thrive and the bad shops die because they're all selling the same product for the same price. You know, what you're yeah. selling is customer service. So, you know, so. Well, yeah, let me, I'm, I'm, I'm adequately prepared for the story about me. <laughs> it was just funny because when you were talking about fly clubs, it just rang so true. I had, um, just moved back to Northern California and I joined a, I'm not going to say now I joined a, a fly fishing group there and, uh, somewhere in the state of Northern I- California. Yes, somewhere. And I was super excited because you were giving the presentation. I was like, I'd heard about you. I was like, oh, this is oh, boy. fantastic. I'm so excited. <laughs> and I went to the to the place that was being held and it was in a sort of room. And I, 
<laughs> I walked in and I looked and I was like, is this the right room? I was like, is this like an ARP <laughs> meeting? Like, I'm totally. like, I, I We're going to talk about your Medicare B plan right now. Yes! What's next? I was like, are we talking about the donut in the yeah. Medicare plan? Like, yep. I don't like I, what is going on? And I like sort of I literally sort of backed out, looked at the number again and like, nope, this is right. OK. <laughs> and I was legit 20 plus years younger than every man in that. I was oh, yeah. absolutely the only woman. And I was 20 plus years younger. I'm 44. And, like, and that's well, been my experience for 25 years in fly clubs. So that's a bad thing. I was like, I was like, well, I don't care because I want to hear Hogan. So I just (laughs) sat down (laughs) and you gave a wonderful presentation. So it's not bad, but I was just laughing that I was like, oh yeah, that is so 100%. But I, I didn't go, I actually didn't do anything after that. I was like, yeah, these are not my people. And I just sort of like, you know, went and found other groups and whatnot. But I was just laughing when you said that. I was like, oh, how funny. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, it was, it's. I mean, I don't think until probably, and I don't know, I mean, the fly fishing world for a long time was very old, right? And uh, (laughs) it has, it has younged up, as I would say, it's got some fresh blood in it, maybe over the last, Mm -hmm. you know, five to 10 years. So, you know, is uh, somebody was saying, I was talking to someone the other day and they're like, man, you know, it's just, we need more diversity. We need all this. We need all. And I'm like. Dude, come come into the fly industry in the late nineties or like two thousand two, yeah. man. Like we've come a long way. Like hold, you know, let's pat ourselves on the back a little bit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. so, you know, it, it I always I always have to remind myself of how far we've come. Not that we don't have a long ways to go, but mm-hmm. uh, you know. So well, those, yeah. th- those are, th- th- that's interesting. And that's good to hear because, you know, you hear a lot of stuff where people have incredibly negative experiences, right? So having, you know, I, I wouldn't say even your experience, Julie, where you're like, I'm 20 years younger than everyone in here. That's, that's not necessarily negative. That's just like, that's no. not my road. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Right. That's it's not the not path. My path. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. And I've had tons of great experiences. And like, Kevin and I've been out fishing and like, I remember we were out at the McLeod, just Tim and I, and like, I turn around and she's talking to some guy who had been fishing. And like, I turn around 20 minutes later, they're still chatting away. And he's like, <laughs> he had told her all about where he fished and gave her some flies. And I like people, you know, in general, I think a lot of people are really cool people. You know, we there's definitely the grumpy gusses, but you know, there's, there's good people out there. Yeah. I yeah. tend to, I tend to predominantly think most people in the fly fishing world are like, they're good people. You know, yeah. like there's definitely grumpy gusses and just downright jack wagons, but yeah. <laughs> I think like statistically there's less of them than if you took a sample of the entire population, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yes. I think we're under, we're under the median for, you know, degenerates and jerks in general. So I've always yeah. take pride in that. <laughs> and one thing that I did this year that was so far out of my comfort zone, it was I can't, I still am like, I cannot believe I did it was I did the Costa Bass and Fly Tournament. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And there was one other woman who I didn't know at the time, but I now know. Um, and that was it for women. Yeah. And it was really hard. And, but everybody was so nice. I mean, from check in to getting out to how it works, I mean, all of it, every, start to finish. Yeah. And I mean, in, in a situation like that, like, 
I think if even the, if you asked any of the males if they didn't feel like ninety percent of the same way you did, they'd be full of shit, right? Like <laughs> everyone's yeah. nervous to compete or put. You know, I remember like I I remember this is a long time ago, but I remember like the first time my dad took me on a guided trip, right? And like I'm yeah. fishing in front of a guide, like. Ooh, yes. Dude, I could have been a girl, yeah. a boy, a f- fucking alien, and I'd be nervous. You know what I mean? Well, like, that's yeah. how I feel with Fischetti. I mean, yeah. Fischetti's like, you know, I'm like, you want the front of the boat, Julia? <laughs> so totally. So and I doesn't have to be yeah. you know, scrutinized. And I, I've talked I to I always a, say yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, scrutinize me and I'll smack fish in front of you. <laughs> like, we're yeah. good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good with that. Yeah. I will never turn down the front of the boat. Yeah. No, I know. Well, and I, I think a lot of that uncomfortableness, like it, men would probably tell you they don't feel, but they're full of shit, right? Like, I, yeah. I mean, I still, when I get up on, you know, I fish with guides a lot just because that's, you know, I take my kids fishing and I go and, you know, I'll get up yeah. in the front of the deck and I'm just as nervous as, I mean, I get nervous and it has, it's just anytime you're doing something in front of someone, it's nerve wracking, you know? So. Well, and we have a story of fishing the Klamath. Yeah. Was it the Klamath, Julia? Yeah, it was the Klamath. You're going to tell this one? Oh, my God. I am, just because it's kind of funny. It'll be quick. So, John Fischetti's our guide. um, And I think, I I don't know who's at the front and who's at the back, but John is, like, giving us instruction. We're going down the Klamath, steelhead fishing, and he's like, okay, there's a rock over there. You know, don't, don't get hooked into that and there's a tree behind you so he's talking to both of us yeah so literally with literally fail, one of us lo- just lobs it right into the rock gets stuck yep. and as john sees us get stuck the other one of us is now hooked in the tree that he told us to avoid and he's yep. just looking at the two of us like really you guys come on <laughs> that's so uh, yeah. like i you know i mean i consider john one of my dearest friends and yeah if there is anyone i would like say has probably seen every dumpster fire that anyone could imagine because john worked yeah. at a lodge for a long time yes yeah. and if you've worked yeah. at a lodge like there ain't anything you haven't seen so I'm sure John's like, oh, yeah, dude, I told you not to cast there. So absolutely, like fate, this is how the forces of nature work. Yep. You will yep, both yep. hit those targets right on. And, and that yeah. is actually, I think what he said. He was like, yeah. I think it is too. He's yeah. like, yeah, you that's know, just, if I told you not to do it, that's exactly what you're going to do. It's, totally, it totally. It's just, it it's it's Newtonian physics, man. You can't, yeah. you can't argue it. So to focus in on, on, on what rising to the fly does. So when you, you, you talked about, you're basically taking on the educational, the financial, basically any barriers for any woman that wants to get into fly fishing. So how, how does that look? So say, do you guys go and find women? Do you solicit women? You talked about working with other organizations that may pull women in and then you kind of support that organization. Where have you found your most success? Um, I think, so it's funny because again, sort of looking at the year, right? Yeah. We started out and I was like, oh, we're going to have all these women and we're not going to have enough gear. And yeah. I'm super stressed out about that. Nope. We started out with everybody donating, like people donating their, their gently used gear. We had all this gear and we didn't have the women. Yes. And I was like, oh, huh, okay. 
And then we started figuring out how to get that word out. And it was interesting, too, because I felt like uh, the, the barrier that we hit were that women were like, oh, you know what? I bet there's someone who could use this more than me. Like, I don't want to take it because I and we're like, no, uh-huh. like, this is the whole point. Like, that's you know, interesting. We had this one. Yeah. And it was, it was a surprise. It was like this one woman was like, Oh, we were going to, I can't remember what we were giving her. And she's like, yeah, no. Oh yeah. Flow tube. Thank you. And it was like, she's like, Oh, you know, I, I just, I'm sure there's someone who could use it. I was like, you literally just told me you had to borrow money from your dad to pay rent. Like, come on. Like there is nobody who needs this better. You know, like you need a day on the water in in this float tube. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, that was sort of this, this thing. And then, we got to a point where it we we developed the relationships with Cassie for recovery and we just pitched it to him like, Hey, we will come in after your clinics, after you're done. And we will just say, Hey, did you have a good time? Did you, you know, you enjoy this? We know that, you know, treatment is expensive. There's a lot of cost to this. If you are in need of anything, please reach out to us and we will help you. And we have gotten a lot of people through that type of model of going to, you know, um, groups that that have put on events and have people that are new and so they are coming out of it going oh yeah that was fantastic it was great um so that sort of model has worked really well for us um and then just sort of like out throughout the year we have been getting um more people involved i was in Montana and my flight was canceled and I was sitting there trying to think of things. And I thought of like, you know, I'm sitting in Montana, Bozeman, and I'm like thinking about this great university. I was like, yeah, you know, who doesn't have money? College kids. Totally. Let's reach out to college (laughs) groups. Yeah. And that's been, we've had some success with that. I'd love to have more success. Uh, We've had some good success with that. Um, So that's, sort of been the the way that has worked. And now we're sort of in the other way where the donations are like had sort of slowed off, but the need from women has started to pick up. And so we're now we're back to focusing more on like getting the donations in and yep. and the both the actual gear and financial donations because we have fantastic partnerships like um you know that you guys that you and Matt have helped us out with where we can get uh, equipment for a discount. And that yeah. has helped really extend the amount of women that we can help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I you know, yeah. you said a few things there that like, you know, most of my listeners know my involvement with cast open and such. And so do you is you, you really yeah. hit on like, I don't think you're experiencing anything, you know, there's very common. I heard, you know, like, a lot of people ask us like, well, what can we do to help you support? And I'm always like, send us kids, right? Like it <laughs> yeah. is mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, we found like we get a few kids that just come to us like randomly, right? Like I'm sure you just have a few women that come to you randomly, mm-hmm. but right. the biggest success is partnering with larger organizations that bring kids and mentors in and then we support the programs that they do you know and that is the steady eddy stream of kids and you know it's you said another thing is it's like we've we've run into times where we're like we got more kids than money or we have money and no kids and it's it's this you're always chasing the yin and the yang Right. And yeah, right. That is, I would encourage you after 
working and running a nonprofit for 15 years now, like don't let that discourage you because that is the bane of our existence. <laughs> so it, uh, it's kind of like, you know, you know, if you're a fly fishing guide, you're either working too much or you're not working at all. Right. It's kind of yep, that there's yep. no middle ground ever. It seems like, you know, yep. so, yeah. So how, how, you know, I was looking at the, you guys shared a graphic with me of, uh, the number of women that you've served and kind of what you've done in the year one stats. And I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive. You have 72 women in the program right now. Yeah. We've helped 72 women. So is it like, do you guys keep tabs on these women and like follow up with them and be like, Hey, how's it going? Is it a, is there support for the women and like, I mean, you guys are very nice. Probably if someone calls you and asks a question, you're going to answer it. But is there any, yep. like, how does that work once they're in? So one of the things that we've been kind of throwing around is, uh, where are they now? Yeah. Kind of thing. Right. So that's something that we really want to get going in 2024. It's on mm-hmm. our, you know, list yeah. of let's follow up with these women. Let's see how, how they're doing. Um, and sometimes we'll get a response and sometimes we won't. We've done it a few times this year um, with a little bit of success. Yeah. But that's, I really, I think that's important. And I think it's also really interesting. Um, we helped one woman uh, who has just exploded with fly fishing and since July and yeah. she's doing really, really well. And we had gone out uh, and given her some casting instruction and just some tips and she's just fantastic. So that's been really fun to watch on social media. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So yes, that, yeah. Where are they now? That's my hope for 2024. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, um, you know, I can't say every kid we've brought into cast hope has turned into an amazing fly angler. So, I mean, it's like you are, uh, it's statistically, you're going to have some wins and some losses, you know what I mean? And I imagine you've already seen that in your first year. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, And we, we added to our website on our application um, that we, you do have to agree, basically, like if you decide it's not for you, that you will return. But yeah. we've donated so that it can totally. go to someone else. And right, that's a requirement, too, which is totally fine. It was like, hey, you know what? If it's not you try it out and you're like, yes, yeah, isn't my jam. Like, that's totally fine. No judgment. Just send it back and we're good. Like, yeah. We're yeah. glad that you got it. You gave it a shot. And, you know, we've, I know in Cast Hope, we've had to refine our process as well. I remember we gave out, like we, we gave out a lot of fly rods and like fly rod reel setups, um, one year to like, we would bring kids in for clinics and just give them gear. And it was like, Mm -hmm. at the end of the year, I I forget where somebody, somebody like saw one set up in a thrift store or some, something like that. And it was like, it was like, oh man, maybe we need to vet like the kid's interest a little more before we dump gear (laughs) on them. You know what I mean? And so like, now it's like, you got to participate in a few different things, you know, like you just, you refine the process, right? You find that sweet spot, you find, you learn how to read the people as they come in and you see the red lights or the green lights and, and you just get better at it. Right. So, I mean, that's part of the evolution of servicing people in general. So, um, and we've had a few, you know, questionable, like, really, is this really someone who needs something or is this just 
total BS. Yeah. Are these people uh, just cheap and so, don't want to go buy something or pay right, for a guide right. trip or a lesson or whatnot? Yeah. Or they think they're going to get some like $800 weeders. It's like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> you are not. <laughs> these, so we've been, I think we've become pretty good at sniffing out bullshit. Yeah. So. yeah. Oh, that's, I, I imagine you get hosed once or twice and you, your radar gets pretty sharp. So, <laughs> yeah. So what do you see, you know, when you, when you get these women in, I mean, I, I mean, supporting the women coming out of those organizations, I mean, that has to be, that has to be great because like absolute need, like there's no question, right? Like if you're going through cancer treatment and all that, like mm-hmm. you are more than deserving of charity, right? Like, right. uh, how, you know, say like this, this woman who you found that barely paid rent or something like that. I mean, that's a big ask for someone to come to an organization and be like, Hey, I can't afford this sport. Can you help me out? Or like, I'm not intelligent enough to figure this out on my own. Like that seems like a big hurdle for someone, man or woman, young or old to make. Do you guys run into that as an issue or? I don't think, um, you know, I think, I, I think that when we're working with organizations, they, I feel like they have done such a good job at setting these people up to be successful and to not have any sort of concerns or shame or, yeah. uh, you know, like, or feeling like their charity, you know, case kind of thing, like totally. they set them up of like, you know, put them in a really good space that they come to us already sort of, you know, set up for that, that success and that sort of help. So I think for that, um, it's, it's pretty, um, and pretty successful. Yeah. You know, I think we also, you know, Tevin and I, when, you know, we are the people who actually do the vetting, um, you know, we're pretty good at sort of, like we said, sort of like Tema said, sussing out the bullshit, but also, not, you know, finding these people who really genuinely need our help and making yeah. sure that they're getting the support that they need and not feeling like we're just super excited. We're like, this is why we're here. This yeah. is why we're mm-hmm. here. Every once in a while, Tema, like we'll get a story and Tema and I are like, this is why we do this. You know, we're totally, so, we're so thrilled. So, um, and I think it would be I mean? harder to find those people because I think human nature is less likely to ask for the help that you guys provide. I, I think the, the one, the person trying to get something for free is probably an anomaly. I think people tend to lean more towards the like, no, 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 I don't need the float tube. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Like, yeah. So I, I, I would imagine it'd be challenging to just find people, you know, that are willing or in need. I mean, there's people in need everywhere, but people that are willing to take it or admit they need well, it like that, that's gotta be kind of hard. And I, I think it's, um, so what was really sort of interesting and eye-opening for us was this intro to fly fishing clinic. Yep. Um, we did an application process and we had, you know, X amount of spots and we had 35 applications and we were wow. like, holy, and we did not expect 35 applications. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so we did, you know, we spent a few hours going through applications and talking about um, the applicants and the group that we had in McLeod was phenomenal. Just How many, I mean, that's of, like, that's like, you got to make cuts from the team. Like that's exactly, that's, it's very hard. But yeah. How many, how many spots did you have? 
So we had originally we had eight. Okay. We had a last minute cancel. Um, and then I can't remember what happened with the other spots. We had one woman so, who canceled like a month out and we talked about filling it, but we were nervous. It was our yes. first one. <laughs> well, so we I, I just like, asked because no. like I've 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 coached sports and been around sports my whole life where you like have to cut kids. And I'm always like, if I can keep 15 and I have 17 kids try out, yeah. that is way harder than if I have 30 some and I'm keeping eight. Like, well, but the, the, that's for us, it really demonstrated the need. Yes. Oh, hell yeah. Of women. Totally. Like, we need this beginner. How do we get started? How do we become independent? How do we tie yeah. a clinch knot? How do we, right? And yeah. so we had this group of six women last weekend, and it was everyone just totally clicked. Um, and it's funny, it's one of those things that kind of like a light bulb goes off in my head where. I'm like, God, I could never be a guide. It would be so tough. And, uh, you know, all I want to do is fish. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and, but, but if you could see Julia and me on this last weekend, when somebody caught a fish, it was <laughs> like, I, I, I get, we get so stoked. For oh yeah. That they've, yeah. And it's, and I get it right. I get how, you know, when you guys get all animated and excited <laughs> when we're, you know, with you guys and, Oh yeah. And if you ask most guides, like I, at this point, I'd rather guide than fish, you know? And that's, but, but it was like a light bulb of like, yeah. God, this is so rad that yeah. these women are catching fish that just spent a weekend with us. Yeah. And that's like, awesome. It's yeah. It was really the, cool. The other thing I think it helped us realize too, is that, so this was an intro to fly fishing. So we were looking for people who had like maybe one year. We had one gal who had never fly fished before ever. So she was starting from scratch. Um, and she was, she was so great. They were all great. But, um, but one of the things we, we realized looking through the applications is there's a need for like more of an intermediate clinic. We were mm -hmm. like looking, we're like, well, this woman's not a beginner, but she's got a great story and we'd love to help her. And yeah. so that also shined a light on, you know, there's other you know, there are other opportunities here for rising to the fly that, you know, we, we didn't even think about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, that's kind of a thing that like, I remember when I was in college in the early two thousands, I worked at fish first. And <laughs> at that time there was a lot of, a lot of fly shops had like full educational programs, right? Like they would have mm -hmm. all sorts of different classes, right? It was like part of the business, right? Like you, you made money running classes and it was like, as soon as the internet took off and you have YouTube now, <laughs> people are just like, oh, we don't yeah. do that shit anymore. Like go watch <laughs> YouTube videos. But it's like right. a lot of people still like to learn in person and do clinics and classes. And it was funny. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Like I was like, no one does classes anymore. You know, I mean, right. granted, if you walk on any college campus, like half the classes are online now too. So, I mean, it's like yeah. probably a sign of the times. Maybe I'm just old fashioned, but like, yeah, there probably should be an intermediate fly fishing course that people can sign up for. Right. Like that makes sense. Those were around a long time. You know, I, Dick Gallon used to do full slates at Clearwater of classes and clinics mm -hmm. and, you know, master classes and this and that. And those seem to have gone by the wayside. You know, I don't think everyone learns off YouTube, right? You know? Well, I, I think don't. there's something like, about learning by doing. <laughs> yeah, right? totally. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't. Yeah. I just did a trip to Louisiana and I didn't know how to double haul. I never saw Waller fish. I didn't know how to double haul. <laughs> I was like, 
And I'm like, oh, and every time I was trying to find people to teach me, it's like, oh, look on YouTube or totally to YouTube. And I'm like, I, I, I can watch this. I can watch it for hours. It doesn't, yeah. I don't like it. Does I need someone to just sit with me and just help me. And so, you know, needless to say, I did not learn how to double haul. And, uh, <laughs> it was an interesting, fun, but very humbling experience. Yeah. And that's, you know, I don't, I don't, I've just, you know, it's funny. I, I think there's a need for that. Right. So like, it doesn't yes. surprise me that you're like, wow, we should do more classes. Like, I think people <laughs> want that in general, you know, I just, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. That's cool. So, so that was your first one. That was, that was yeah, clinic yes. number one. Okay. So, yes. I mean, obviously there's a demand for it. Um, how are you going to build out that program? Are you going to do, so, any, I mean, what's the plan going forward? Cause obviously you need to do more of them, right? Like, I mean, that was so, probably a, yep. a realization. So what we did is we had a rising to the fly retreat. Yeah. Uh, and we really mapped out uh, 2024 with. Damn, you guys are organized. Few, Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> with um, a few intro to fly fishing yeah. clinic weekends that we've slated. And then an intermediate fly fishing clinic that we have slated. I mean, we don't know where. We don't yeah. have the details of it yet. But we really just wanted to get stuff uh, on the calendar for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our hope, you know, for me, for me, and I think for Julia too, we want to double everything that we were able to do in, yeah. in our first year. So we want to help, I mean, in, in our brain, 150 women for 2024 would be amazing. Yeah. It might, you know, <laughs> we'll see, but I, I that would be like a, a phenomenal goal. And then in terms of clinics and just education, um, you know, really ramp up what we did in in 20 in this year which was only one weekend and then you know we did an intro to fly fishing zoom uh back in march um but yeah we really want to just ramp it up yeah and that's we've got got weekends well you've you've, um you're starting to figure out what works right and you know once you figure out what works you can put your energy into increasing what works so I mean, I, I mean, I think 150 women, I mean, how far do you guys, the other thing is geographically, are you, are you in, I mean, obviously it's, I don't know if you're national or not, but I mean, we are. so no, you, we're national. So you can service and help women throughout the country. I mean, I don't see why 75 to 150 is a unrealistic goal. Um, I don't either. And I mean, we have been, we have uh, sent gear and garb to women, you know, in New York, in Georgia, in Arkansas, in Mississippi, like we have sent all over. So mm-hmm. it's not, you know, we definitely did this first clinic in our backyard because yeah. we're, it's the first one, but we're definitely, you know, talking about doing one in Montana and, you know, doing one in Colorado and, and, de- you know, definitely just continuing to expand. How and we also did a clinic with Southern Oregon women on the fly this yep. year. Uh, yeah. which was really good. It was actually yeah. a lot of fun and it was some classroom time at Rogue Valley Anglers. They gave us their space to uh, do some classroom time. And then we had uh, Rachel Andrus do mm-hmm. a casting lesson the next morning. And then we got them out on, on the Rogue and it was, it they loved it. As far as I know, I haven't heard anything other than that. And, and it was a really good, not too long clinic. 
That's great. Intro to fly fishing. If yeah. Rachel does it, everybody will love it. She's the most lovable person yeah, totally. on the face of the planet. So well, fun fact, Rachel is who taught me how to fly fish in 1999. <laughs> fun fact, me and Rachel did a bunch of clinics together probably around that time when we were both, I mean, I'm still a Scott Rod guy, but I think Rachel is as well. Maybe just not officially or I don't know, but <laughs> we did massive amounts talking about old clinics. We did a bunch of clinics together and I would always make sure that I taught or talked first because, <laughs> as, you know, after I talked, there was no following up Rachel. Cause you're just like, yeah, I fuck. I'm, I'm a chump. Hey, what's up? I'm just, I'm just a dirt bag from Nevada County. And you just met like the most charming, you know, cute, gorgeous Southern yeah. girl you've ever seen in your entire life who can cast fish and pretty much do everything better than I can. So, uh, yeah, she's yeah. one of the best okay. teachers I know and has been yeah. for 20 years, if not more. So, uh, Probably in, in my world, one of the first women that I was like, oh, damn, you're a badass. And she's, I mean, she got into it young, too. So yeah, mm -hmm. she's great yeah. to have one in kind of your your stable, so to say, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, so how, you know, obviously, what is the fundraising plan for all this? Obviously, you know, part of that's talking about, you know, how people can help you and support you. And how are you guys raising money to make all this happen? So we have between we also blood, sweat, and out. tears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so we we mapped out uh, the rest of this year in 2024. We have Giving Tuesday coming up. That's going to be a pretty big one for us. Yes. Um, our fly fishing tournament in our first year did really, really well. So we're hoping to expand that um, for 2024. Um, we're really one of the big goals in my head is sponsors. Mm -hmm. um, for 2024 and hopefully get some grant writing going. Yes. So one of the things that was the trepidation. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of good grants out there, man. I, you know, as, as a member of AFTA, I would encourage you to check out the fisheries fund and apply yep. for the fisheries fund grants. I mean, those are always, they're not huge sums of money, but I mean, those will, uh, those will get the ball moving and, you know, help you out. So those are always good, but grants are, I mean, they're tough. <laughs> yeah. When I always look at something, when there's like people that make their living doing it, yeah. like it is a serious <laughs> yeah. skill. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you're like, well, we hired a grant writer. I'm like, what the fuck? How am I going to write a grant? That's like, well, we hired a surgeon to <laughs> right? replace my knee. It's like, well, yeah, I'm not going to do that on my own. You know, there's, so I grants, I have no they're an intimidating world, you know, and I yeah. love and hate them mostly hate, but you know, it's kind of a tough um, one. And then, you know, again, the, a lot of fly shops have been really supportive with, yeah. you know, donating used gear, putting barrels out. Totally. Um, that is certainly helpful. Uh, we do, if we need a pair of waiters and you know, we'll, we'll look on Facebook marketplace based, you know, yeah. see what yeah. we can, find and same with boots and waiting staffs and you know everything else so we're getting pretty resourceful um but mostly the fundraising is going to come from giving tuesday the tournament grants uh individual donors sponsors 
we definitely, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, we definitely try to hit up the end of year heavy major end of year donations. Oh yeah, Giving Tuesday. Then, I mean, that's that's yeah. a that's a that's a that's a holiday for nonprofits. You got to work yep. on that. Yeah. Yeah, yep. and then um, I usually do uh, a couple of um, posts. Tema does all of our. Uh, I, I set up the social media and then uh, turned it over to Tema pretty quickly. That's the best way to run social media. Yeah. Yeah. Like have someone who actually understands it, do it. Yeah. So, um, so that's been great, but, um, I have a couple posts. It's November four, uh, 15th is national recycle day. And that's one of the things I talk, I try to talk about of like, Hey, if you donate your waiters to us or keeping it out of a landfill, uh, you know, you do- donate your, your recycling, you're, 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 no, yeah. you're not, you're keeping this out of a waste. And then, um, one of the other things I try to do is in December, hit people up and, and, you know, um, for the end of year. And then also in January, hit people up with, Hey, did you get some cool new gear? Do you have anything that you want to retire? Like, yeah. you know, clean the us. closet, kind of clean the closet. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. great. So there's, there's definitely, you know, and, and I would encourage listeners, if there's not a Ben at your fly shop, ask them for a Ben and they can reach out yeah. to you guys and get a Ben in their local fly shop. And I mean, that really goes for anywhere in the country. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah. um so how, you know, kind of last, how can people get involved, mainly donate if they feel obligated or, you know, definitely women. I'd like to think some women listen to my podcast, uh, <laughs> or there's obviously men that know women. So how, assuming, hopefully, you know, not a bunch of just weirdos listening that don't know women, but you never know, uh, who, uh, how can people get involved? Like, you know, how can someone apply or, I mean, you guys obviously need volunteers. Yes. For certain things or, yeah, Yeah, we do. I mean, we need a grant writer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Um, yes. If you need a grant writer, I I don't, yeah, I will definitely poach that if they come in as a volunteer. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, Our website, we've tried to set up our website, which is um, rising to the fly.com. Yeah. We've tried to set up with everything of like how to apply, how to donate. We've got a PayPal button on there, a Venmo button. Um, Great. you know, we've got like, Hey, if you've got something to donate, uh, you know, here's the things that we typically look for waiters, boots, rods, reels, that kind of thing. But, you know, if you don't see it on here, just shoot an email and one of us will get back to you. And, you know, I was, you know, a scouring Facebook marketplace and found a woman who had a pair of practically brand new boots for 30 bucks. And I reached out to her and said, yes, I want them. And then we're a nonprofit. And, she was like, oh, well, knock 10 bucks off. And here, do you want these? I have these in my closet. Another <laughs> pair of boots. I was like, yes, fantastic. So, you know, it's just uh, getting That's a lot of work, man. Then, That's a lot of work doing is. that. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to be spending my Sunday driving up to Napa to get the boots and then driving <laughs> back to Santa Rosa to stop to, with another person to pick up some rods and reels. And so, yeah, it's it's a lot. It's, and then I'm going to Reading and get another pair of waiters. So yeah, it's definitely a lot, but you know, it's, it's what we do. So, but yeah, our website, we've tried really hard to make sure that, um, everything that you could possibly want to know is on there. And And that's rising, rising to the fly.com, right? Correct. Rising to the fly.com. Our, um, there's a, who are we, you know, page, you can click on a button and send us an email each Tema myself, uh, we have two volunteers. Currently, we have two volunteers, Gwen and Emily. Um, so we um, 
and we're looking for more. So yeah, definitely um, try to make the the website as as informative and helpful as possible. Yeah, it's a great website. I, I've I've dug through it, and there's so. definitely not. I didn't leave with questions. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't like, well, how the hell do I get involved in this? It's pretty straightforward. <laughs> so that's great. So rising to the fly, anything anybody wants to do, I would definitely encourage you to bug your local fly shop to throw a bucket out and, you know, collect donations. Cause that's an easy spot. As someone buys something new, you can be like, Hey, put your old one in here and I'll give you this. Right. Like, that's great. What right. the South yeah. Lake Tahoe crew did. Like, that's a really good idea. So, yeah. um, well, man, how do we find you on social media? Um, Instagram, we're at Rising to the Fly, and Facebook, we're Rising to the Fly. So that's great. And you guys are pretty yeah. active. So, I mean, if people want to see what's going on and you know see what what you guys are up to, that's a great way to do it. I always like the stories you post about people that you've supported and such like that. That's fun to see people out doing stuff, you know. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. Well, I really appreciate your time and coming on. And I, I definitely, you know, kudos to you two for taking this on as I know both of you are, you're probably not independently wealthy and retired. So, you know, you're doing this. Not yet. And, not yet. Yeah, there you go. I like that. <laughs> uh, you know, you're doing this. I know, Timmy, you got kids, you're raising kids. And, you know, that's uh, anytime people take of their own time and give of them themselves on top of all the everyday stuff that we have, like, uh, I'm always always humbled and impressed because it challenges everyone to do a little more, you know? Um, Thank I'm, you. Well, yeah. I would yeah. say right back at you, Hogan, because you've been <laughs> yeah. a huge supporter and we couldn't do it without you. you know, oh, like well, the, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, it just, you know, yeah, I was taught a long time ago, you got to give back, man. You know, you can't, you know, there can't be a taker your whole life. So, um, <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll have to follow up next year. And I'd I'd love yes. to hear where you guys are at, and hopefully we'll we'll hit you know 150 women involved and be flush with a grant writer that I'm jealous of and that has made <laughs> you millions of dollars, and I will try to steal from you. So <laughs> fantastic! Yeah, have goals. It is. It is. You know. So well, thank you everybody for listening. Um, if you want to follow up with uh, any stuff on the show, check out risingtothefly.com. Follow them on social media and we'll definitely put out information and share anything that comes out. So thanks for listening, everyone. I appreciate you coming on and uh, talk to you next time. No better, fish better. Part of the Barbless Podcast Network. Special thanks to our sponsors. Without them, this show would not be possible. Like this episode? Leave a review. 